Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Megan Gilbert, and welcome to the Fresh Exchange Podcast. Welcome, friends. Whew. Are you guys feeling the energy of spring? Like, we're in it now. Like, here we are. I definitely have been noticing it uh, even before we really dug into spring. I was feeling it like I saw bluebirds, I saw robins, I saw everything like happening outside and it's just got me feeling like, whew, I haven't finished planting my garden yet. <laughs> no, truly, <laughs> like, um, to be honest. So I have all these ideas and I got most of it done, but uh, I still got these areas that I just, I keep feeling like I just need to let them figure themselves out a little bit. And I know that sounds nuts, but I, I don't know. I just feel that way. So I've, I've had this thing where we're doing another episode about this later this next month, but it's about intuition in the garden. And I, I'm really feeling like I have to roll with that because I'm doing a podcast about it. So, uh, but we'll see. I just have been feeling it. And one of the things that I feel like so many people talk about is feeling really overwhelmed about their scheduling with their plants. And I think there can be so much anxiety around spring and getting your garden in. And I really like, this was why I did that, created our e-course, the simple garden planning e-course all around companion planting, all around all of that was strictly for the whole idea that I wanted to take the stress out of all this. And I know we're getting into the deeper end of garden planning and it feels like any course like that may not be as applicable, but I beg to differ in the sense that 
if you're looking at your design and you're like, how do I actually get this in? And how do I even determine what needs to be what? Or is this something I buy as a start? Do I need to seed start these things? Where do I get starts? How do I know what's good to buy from seed companies or any of that? That's what the course helps with as well. It's not just creating your garden design. It's also figuring out how to actually implement it into your garden because I'm not just going to leave you hanging. You guys know this, like I'm going to tell you how to do it. It isn't just about the concept. It's about the implementation too. And so if you want to check it out, you know where to find it. It's in the show notes. And of course, there's also our ultimate garden planning toolkit, which is super helpful. A lot of the things that I'm talking about today, there are tools. I have a seed starting scheduler in there. I have a planting scheduler. I have all those things in there is even a list of what is actually best as a start and what's actually best to direct seed. So things like that will really help you figure out what and when to do things. Okay. So you can check that out in the show notes because I am going to reference those things. Now, our online community already got the spiel in a deep way about scheduling, and it was a really great conversation, as always, and it was our last event of the winter season was I wanted to get people going on their designs and putting them into action in terms of scheduling. We have busy lives. We have a lot of questions. And we went through it. And so I'm taking some of the ideas that I shared there and taught with them into this conversation today. So we went much deeper in the community. If you are struggling and want support that is judgment-free, that especially if you're a beginner, this is a great group. So you can check that out as well. It's in the show notes, how to join. You can join still. Uh, You can join at any point throughout the year. There's lots of options of ways to join and things that are maybe right for you. So I think this is like such a big topic because I think that scheduling as somebody who's not type A that doesn't think in a schedule very well and has had to learn to think in a schedule because I have children, I have a busy life, I have a business. Scheduling can make all the difference in our anxiety. It it is a tool. It is a great tool to get things done. And all of everything I do centers around a schedule now. And I never thought I would be the person who says that, but it takes the anxiety out. I struggle with anxiety. I know a lot of people do. We don't need other things to have to be anxious about. So today I'm just going to give you the high level of like how I think through my own scheduling in hopes that it helps you. Like I said, we dive deeper into this in other areas. If you want to, it's up to you, but maybe this will be enough for you today. Basically, I want to make it really clear how we think about scheduling. So first of all, scheduling your plants isn't exactly this straight line. We want to think about it in this chronological order, which it is a little bit once we get into the schedule, but there's a lot of gray areas in knowing when to plant something. So this is both a positive and negative. The positive in it is that there's, there's some flexibility. So if you miss a window, you haven't missed the whole window sort of thing. And if you, you know, the, that's the positive, but the negative can be that it doesn't give us like a clear answer. And when we don't have a clear answer, that can be really stressful 
and we can be second guessing ourselves a lot. And my goal is to make sure that you're not second guessing yourself, but feeling confident in the fact that maybe if you miss it, it's okay. And that it's not black and white. It is a very gray thing. Gardening and nature is, there's a lot of variant, variance in the whole thing. So you don't have to be, to get it right. You don't always have to get it right, if you know what I mean. And so, but there's some ways and parameters that we can kind of work from. I'm sure you guys know of or have heard of zones. So there are zones in gardening. And I really don't like how seed packets describe this stuff. I wish they just wouldn't because it's not helpful. So ignore the seed packet. Okay. I'm just going to say that right now and listen to this instead. Okay. I have spent so many years <laughs> trying to figure out the right window and the right timing and everything. And it's a lot of trial and error. And it really depends on where your exact house and land and space is that you're gardening in. Okay. So it, nobody's going to be able to give you the exact roadmap unless that person has previously lived there. So if a seed packet says, oh, this goes out in May, it may not actually go out in May. Okay. And May is a big window. Uh, but we can, what a zone chart does is it goes really deep, but it's still not the full picture. So let me explain. So for instance, I'm a really good example is that I am in zone 5B6A. And you're like, Megan, how can you be in two zones? Because I live on 15 acres and there's microclimates, okay? I have two microclimates within my own garden. One area will get frost and the other won't. And they are 100 feet from each other, okay? So one will also get a lot more sun than the other. One will get a lot more wind than the other. And that wind because it comes off the Great Lakes, changes things, okay? So we have to think about this. I have neighbors down the road that they live more of a valley. They get a harder frost than I will sooner up here on our hill. It can change that dramatically. So it is so important. If there's anything that's taught me to like not compare to anyone else, it is gardening because it has to be exact to you. You have to pay attention to your own garden, not other people's, unless you're learning from them. Okay. So my whole thing is that you have to pay attention. You have to pay attention to your land, to the movement where you are, and that's how you're going to know the right thing to do at the right time. And it's going to take time. Okay. So understanding that we have, that there can be microclimates, whether you don't live near the Great Lakes or you do, or you live near ocean or you don't, doesn't matter. There are some sort of microclimate, but understanding your zone gives you a really good picture. Now, when you have a zone, it tells you your last and first frost date. Last and first frost date is not a planting day. I want to just say that right now. So many people see it as like, okay, May 15th is when I start my, start my summer garden. No, 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 no. Okay. Let's step back a minute. The last frost date is simply that it is an estimated last frost date. That does not mean that it is actually going to happen. Okay. So that doesn't mean that immediately that will be your last frost date. I have seen it where my last frost date was the first of May. I've seen it where my last frost date was the second week of June. Okay. Once again, we pay attention 
to our own space, right? But that date gives us an estimate, a space in which we can move around, okay? So we're going to know that we ultimately probably will be planting things within a two to three week period of time, give or take. I know, still big window, lots of estimation that we're making here. That's okay. So my goal is to give you a couple tools. First of all, let me just explain about that date. What that date means is that your spring crops most likely will start before that. Three to four weeks is probably the soonest you could put in some of your spring crops. Some of those spring crops actually want some snow. That's how they will thrive. Poppies, uh, for instance, are one of them. You're going to want to put them in really early. The other thing is, is that you're going to want to think about carrots, turnips, radishes. They all like the cold. They're going to taste better in the cold. Okay. So put those things out. Spinach is totally okay in the cold. Tatsoi is really okay in the cold. So that last frost date means that that might be when it starts warming up and those things aren't going to actually taste as good. So your spring crops are going to start fading into summer crops at that point. That's all it really means. Okay. <laughs> so, but what it also means is that we shouldn't be planting our tomatoes. We shouldn't be planting our squash that day. No, 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 no. Okay. So I'll get to that in a minute because I have some great tips coming up on what I've learned, what you need to know. Okay. <laughs> so we've got a lot of information to cover. So that is something that I just want to debunk right now is that your last frost day is your planting day. No, it is a marker in the year. That's all. It gives you a point of reference. It's like the, the turn in, in the map where you're like, okay, we're, this is our halfway point, you know, so to speak in our planting season. <laughs> That's kind of how I like to think about it, but it's a good reference point to seed start off of, to do other things. So, because seed starting is so variable, there's so many variables, like, you know, your seeds might not take off in two to three days. They might take three weeks, who knows? So if you miss that window a little bit, it's okay. Um, it just gives you a really good reference point of when you might be starting to garden outside and like putting things in the ground. Okay. So there's that, that's the main thing. And what I want you to understand is that when you're creating your planting schedule, that you also are looking at weather trends. So this is where something like the farmer's almanac is actually super helpful. And it is a very odd thing, like a very odd book that I actually enjoy reading it because it's very funny. And I think that it's absolutely fascinating. But every single year, they kind of estimate some of the weather patterns and they're about 80% right most of the time. So I think that's a really good thing to think about when you're thinking about planning out your garden. I like to use it because it sometimes tells me, okay, we're going to get going a little sooner than we thought, or it's going to be really dry in June. I better think about this and things like that. Um, last year that was super helpful and I like to just work off of that. Okay. So that's one of the things I use, but then I also have apps such as AccuWeather to look at extended forecast progression or projections. And I also am using something like Dark Sky to watch the exact day. Those two weather apps are really helpful as well. So I highly suggest those. Now, some of the indicators to me about when to plant certain things are more in the moment. So this is where that two to three week window is really give or take is really important and gives us a point of reference. 
to start from, but it is not the gold standard. The gold standard will be set by the actual weather patterns and the soil temperatures. The soil tells us when it's ready. And there's also like other things that you can use, like daffodils are blooming or lilacs are blooming or the monarch butterflies have returned. There's these sort of things too, and that's called phenology. You can utilize that as well. It's kind of fascinating and fun to play with. But I am personally for certain plants and in our toolkit, I offer a soil temp chart for like all the different plants, because when we understand soil temps, we can understand when it is actually the right time to plant something. And then we can record it in a garden journal. Okay. So doing these two things can be really helpful. And when we want to look at evening temps and lows, particularly, I say evening temps, but it really means lows. Sometimes those lows can be in the daytime too. That does happen. But for the most part, it's your evening temps. And we really want certain evening temps above certain temperatures. So we're looking at, you know, if you're having, if you're planting out like sugar snaps or carrots or things like that, to see evening temps that are below 40, but still at like that freezing mark, but the soil is workable because it's like reaching 60 during the day. That's a great time to plant your carrots. And so we're watching that because that soil is movable. It's probably at about 45 to 55 degrees, which is ideal for germinating carrots, beets, turnips, radishes, all these colder soil loving plants. They want that. They actually will not germinate very well in warmer soil. So you could have poor production and poor germination if you're putting them into the soil that isn't right for them. Okay. So, and I'll talk about this more in a second, but For instance, when I'm starting my companion planting bed specifically for my tomatoes, my carrots are the first thing that go in every single time. So you, I'm putting those in and then my tomatoes will work around them. So you're not actually planting your carrots and tomatoes at the exact same time. In fact, you can't. And because carrots need that cold weather and tomatoes will just cripple with it. Okay. So we got to think about this in terms of our scheduling. And this is why I want to talk about it. So understanding your soil temps and you don't have to have a soil thermometer necessarily. If it's workable, but your hand, you stick your hand into the soil and it's still cool. It's not good for tomatoes. You stick your hands into it and it is warm, like feels really good. Like a hot tub. That's when you want to put in that summer crop. That's when you're ready for it. Okay. (laughs) So, and then fall crops, you totally are putting them in warm soil, obviously. And in fact, some of the warmest soil, they are going to want that warm to cool over the uh, cool to warm. And then our summer crops want warm to warm. They don't want to be cold. <laughs> so that that's some of the differences that we got to think about. But our soil is one of the things that can help us plan really well and know when the timing is right. So <clears throat> I like to also think about when I'm scheduling out things in a, I like to work every week, like in a week by week rhythm. So I like to like say, okay, this week is roughly when I think I'm going to put in my carrots. This week is roughly when I'm going to put in my turnips. This week is roughly when I'm going to put in my sugar snaps and seeding those things specifically or this day. And I work week to week. It isn't a one day affair. It is a month and a half to two months of planting consecutively at least with the size of our garden. In a smaller garden, it's, you know, maybe one week here, then you work down the line and then another week here. 
and you get it done and it's good. Okay. So if you have a garden my size, it takes a little more time, but that's okay. And so I like to work that way and it really helps me like schedule things out and I actually make a calendar specifically for my scheduling. And that's one of those tools that I have in the garden planning toolkit is like a way to actually like create a system that goes into your, you could, then you can apply it to your calendar. You can use color coding. You can do all sorts of things to get really nerdy about it. And I love that. Okay. So I love seeing you guys do that. It makes me super happy because it means you're going to be successful. It means that you are passionate about it. And it means that you want to do something well. And I love it. I love inspiring people to do things that they love well. So here are some of the top tips though. Some of the things that have surprised me along the way, maybe that would be really helpful in your planning is first of all, like I was talking about tomatoes, <laughs> tomatoes and squash and things like that, they are a true summer crop. And so what this means is we never want to put them in the ground before the temperature of the soil and the air, well, the air particularly, not the soil. The soil needs to be warm. Like I said, like it needs to feel hot from the day. So it, most likely the temps during the day are at least 70, if not almost 80. And that's when we want to get those tomatoes out. We hold off till that moment. And once the soil is really warm and nice, I then am watching the lows. If the lows are below 45, can't put them out. Do you hear me? I don't put any summer crops out if the lows are still 45 or below. Here's why. These plants do not have the ability to withstand those temperatures, okay? So if you do it, they will live. They won't get frostbitten. They won't have that problem. What problems they will have is producing. They won't be able to produce as well. They will have some level of, think of it as like maybe emotional damage, so to speak. They're just not going to be as good of producers. You're, they're going to struggle with fruit production. And isn't that why we're growing them? So we want to make sure that we wait. and. I know this sounds crazy, but there are many times I don't put my tomatoes out until the second week of June when everybody else is putting them in, you know, Memorial Day weekend, Memorial Day weekend can be cold. Okay. In Northern Michigan, I don't do that. I wait until June, unless you, I have a plan to cover them or they're in a tunnel or anything like that. No way, no way, no how I will hold out. Cause what I have also learned is that that time period in which I can grow tomatoes is always extending. I didn't pull my tomatoes till almost the end of October this year. That's how long I can grow them and tomatoes will produce that whole time. And so if I have them really happy inside, they're going to be amazing producers really quickly. And so having a six to eight inch tall plant is amazing because then you're going to have this really strong producer when you put it in the ground, when the temps are above 45 at night. And that goes for all summer crops. End of story, okay? That's <laughs> that's what I do. And I'm just going to reiterate that many times this year. Next is you can wait to plant your squash till after bugs. Not all planting schedules have to be around temperatures. They can also be around pests. Squash can wait. And I've talked about this before in our pest one I did with companion planting. But really, truly, they have 45 to 55 days that they need till harvest. And so you can start them mid-June or end of June, beginning of July, actually. That's when you really should. I like to do a one squash plant or any melon, anything like that till 
to kind of give me an idea of when the pests have slowed down and this plant just gets destroyed. It's the, it's the one that tells me where things are actually at and you can plant them. Like you could succession plant them like one and then another week and then another week to kind of give you an idea of who's doing the best. Once you see one doing well, you're probably good to go on planting your ones that you actually want to harvest from. Then the next thing is, is we have to remember, and I, this took me a long time to trust. So I'm going to tell you that is that spring things are hardy and that they need cold to actually start them. It's taken me a long time to trust that. Okay. But it is very true. And I can say this, I have a meditation about sugar snap peas and peas. Like I think it's called lessons from the peas or something. I planted them. My friend was like, just trust me, plant them right now. And I'm like, but seriously, like it's so early. There's snow in the forecast where they're going to get, they're going to sprout and then they're going to get frostbite and they're going to struggle. And I fought her. Okay. She was like, you got to trust me. I'm like, okay, I got so many sugar snap peas. I got enough seeds. Worst case, I reseed, right? Sure enough, I planted them. And those little guys, they <laughs> took off right away. It was like the high was like 55, 60 every day. And then very cold still at night. And not like it was like freezing, 30 to 35 degrees, sometimes 40 at night. Then we got a big snow after they had sprouted, just like I knew would happen. And some of them didn't like it. Some of them died or I thought they did. But then let me tell you, those plants came back in a vengeance. They needed that cold. They wanted it. They needed a challenge <laughs> to be their best. They built up resilience because of that. And they were amazing. Okay. So it goes to show you that when something says it needs cold, it actually does. Okay. So just trust me, trust this situation that if you want to grow bees, you want to grow some of these cold things, don't start them in May. If you're in zone six or five, don't do it. Plant them in April. In fact, I'm going to do it the, this very next week. I am going to be putting things in the ground seed wise because they want that. And so we're going to be having a harvest and sure, I don't have great compost down right now, but some of these actually thrive without great soil and they'll be just fine. So it's pretty crazy. And I want you guys to trust that process. So these are the things you plant before that last frost sometimes. Okay. Now, lastly, this is one that also gets me sometimes is succession planting for fall is done a lot earlier than you think. Sometimes I'm like, oh, it's not getting cool enough for these things. No, no, no. Unless you're starting them indoors, if you're starting them by seed directly in your garden, um, you're going to want to start them like mid-July, early July, because they're going to need time to really produce. So this would be like pumpkins, things like that. Starting them by seed the first week of July is a great idea. It sounds crazy maybe to you, but I promise you it's not. And I think you're going to be really, really happy by waiting a little bit. But if you wait till mid-August, it's too late. So you really do have a window there. It's just, I think we always, I think why I wanted to talk about this specifically is just because I myself have had to rewrite this conversation in my head that I thought everything for some reason was planted around the same time, but it's not true at all. We actually plant these things at so many different points 
And it is a continual process. And that's why creating a schedule is so important. It's why it's like the best way to not stress out about your garden. And it, it actually can make it really fun because then it's like, oh, this is pea starting week. Yes. You know, you can get really excited about it, but I don't know. I hope this is helpful because <laughs> it's been immensely helpful for me over the years in creating a garden that is continually producing and things are actually growing well and growing the way that they should. And sure, soil, sunlight, water, those things all make a lot of sense, but timing is huge. Timing can make or break a successful crop. Okay. And I've learned this from my farmer friends. I've learned this from my other gardening friends. I've learned this in my own life. So I say, trust some of this knowledge and don't fall prey to just thinking the last frost date is when the garden starts or do not. And I repeat last tip, do not be fooled by early spring weather. It makes you think you can plant your tomato plants. You got to see at least two weeks of those temps above 45. Okay. Trust me on this one. Even if they're very late, it doesn't matter. Wait it out. Hold strong, friends. You can do this, okay? Wait to put in summer crops like tomatoes, like peppers, like eggplants, like any of that. Put in your potatoes instead. Put in some tomatillos. Oddly, they're very hearty. Do all of that. Plant your cilantro. Do all of it. But do not, do not, do not, do not plant your tomatoes before 45 degrees. Okay. That's it. That's my spiel. And I hope it's really helpful. And if you have energy to get out and garden, don't do anything but plant your sugar snaps, okay? Or radishes. Do something like that. Or carrots, beets. That's it. Don't go any further than that. No matter what the weather says until after that date, okay? Trust me on this one. Watch closely. Okay, friends. I rambled a lot, but you know where to find a lot of these resources. So check the show notes. Until then, my friends, I'll see you out there. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.